Hello and welcome to the BSI Education Podcast with me, Matthew Childs. Now normally at this point I say hello to my co-host Alan Sellers. Alan is away for this episode, but fear not, he will return. Now, the aim of this podcast is to bring you the stories behind standards and standardisation. In this episode, we focus on standards and blockchain. My guest is Jeff Goodell, Senior Research Associate in Computer Science at University College London. His recent work focuses on the issues of digital identity, digital payment systems and regulation. Now, before his successful academic career, Jeff has been an entrepreneur and portfolio manager with a decade of experience in the financial industry. He is also a BSI committee member and convener of two ISO working groups on blockchain and distributed ledger technologies. I discuss with Jeff his role in these committees and the real-world applications for blockchain. Before we hear from Jeff, a quick reminder that for more information on BSI education, go to bsigroup.com forward slash education. This link and others on the themes raised in this episode can be found in the episode notes. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and share us on social media using the hashtag BSIEdPod. And if you have any comments, suggestions, questions or ideas for future episodes, then do please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We really welcome your feedback. So in this episode of the podcast, we are delighted to be joined by Jeff Goodell. Hello, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you very much. It's fantastic to have you on the podcast, Jeff. Now, Jeff, you are currently Senior Research Associate at, uh, at UCL. Can you tell us a bit more about that role? Uh, thank you, Matthew. Uh, sure. So, I, so I'm a researcher, uh, and uh, my focus is on complex systems and their interfaces to institutions and governments. So I'm part of the uh, Financial Computing and Analytics Group, which is part of the Department of Computer Science in uh, the Faculty of Engineering at uh, University College London. Uh, so my uh, research remit is quite broad, uh, although it, it's focused mostly on payments systems and uh, 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 these days and digital identity systems and uh, basically the, the financial technology interface, if you will, uh, which is a topic of uh, of, uh, of uh, significant interest in uh, uh, in the private sector and government these days for various reasons. Now, in these podcasts, Jeff, we're always keen to learn about the standards journeys of our guests. We, Alan and I love a journey, and uh, you're no exception here. So we'd, we'd like to know, how did you get here? You know, what's been your standards journey? What's your, what's been the sort of, what sparked your interest in getting involved in standards? Well, I've been interested in standards for, uh, for a long time, uh, really. Uh, one of uh, the members of my dissertation committee 15 years ago was uh, uh, was a uh, uh, was the transport area director of the internet engineering task force so i learned quite a bit of how ietf and iso and some other standards organizations worked at that time uh, and indeed um, uh, my work uh, as a uh, phd student uh, uh, back in the early aughts was was to some extent linked to uh, to that activity uh, now, my more recent uh, engagement with standards uh, is, uh, I think, largely related to my work with distributed ledger technology. And one of my colleagues uh, uh, introduced me to uh, the, uh, the leadership of, uh, of ISO TC307, which is the Blockchain and Distributed Ledger Technology uh, uh, Technical Committee. And uh, my, uh, my work there, uh, quickly uh, morphed into uh, my role currently as convener of Working Group One, uh, which is the foundational um, 
uh, uh, working group focused on vocabulary, reference architecture, taxonomy, and ontology of distributed ledger systems and these kinds of related underpinnings. Uh, and uh, I've also had a chance to uh, be co-convener uh, of uh, ISO TC46 SC11 JWG1, which is focused on uh, the, the, the nexus of blockchain and distributed ledger technologies with records management. Now, you mentioned that, uh, that you have a couple of, couple of committees. So ISO Technical Committee 307 and, and uh, TC46. Just to explain to the listeners, what, what's the role of a convener? What does, a, what does a, an ISO convener do? So, so a convener really, uh, basically, a convener organizes the meetings and, uh, and, and channels the discussion. I, I would say the, meter, the, the, the convener is... Uh, uh, really has two roles. One is a, of a coordinator of the activities of a working group, uh, and the other is of uh, establishing consensus uh, and uh, judging consensus among the, uh, the experts within the working group. Uh, so the role of convener is, is generally to make sure that everyone in the committee uh, has a voice uh, and has a chance to uh, express their, uh, their opinions, uh, any sustained objections, uh, to make sure that the discussion is carried out fairly and in good faith. That's excellent. Now, I want to come back uh, later on to talk a bit more about, about the committees and, and what's involved in those conversations. But let's get to the heart of this. Now, we've we've invited you on here to talk about blockchain. Now, I ask, I'm going to ask you some trepidation here, given that um, uh, blockchain is of maybe sort of considered to be shrouded in mystery as a technology. So straight up, Jeff, what is blockchain? So, uh, so well, uh, I suppose that uh, the best way to start with that is to uh, is to go to the uh, ISO 22739 definition of uh, of blockchain. So it turns out that the uh, ISO 22739 uh, vocabulary standard has been published uh, and indeed is available for perusal on the web. Uh, so you can actually see the definitions uh, publicly. So I'm going to quote from it: uh, A blockchain is a distributed ledger with confirmed blocks organized in an append-only sequential chain using cryptographic links. That's what a blockchain is. And that was one of the standards that we defined. And in terms of the newness of this technology, Jeff, it feels as if actually this is, it's, it's a term that's been around for quite some time, but, but maybe you know, people may be only aware of it in relation to sort of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and that sort of thing. But sort of how new is this, is this technology? Well, the notion of combining blocks with uh, with uh, uh, hashes of previous records uh, and com and using them to create a uh, a chain uh, is is actually a, a well known concept in uh, in computer science circles that goes back to at least the 90s, if not sooner. Uh, and uh, uh, this is uh, in th in this sense, a blockchain is not new, uh, although. The application of blockchains in the context of distributed ledger systems, which is how we're focusing upon it and how we're defining it, is, uh, is, uh, is linked to uh, this notion that the, that the truth within a system can be established through distributed consensus in a way that, uh, that creates uh, a strong uh, uh, a, a, a strong assurance that uh, the records will be immutable. And, and that characteristic is really important when we uh, are concerned about questions such as financial transactions in which uh, we, we need some assurance of the finality of the transactions 
uh, so that the uh, different counterparties know that their obligations have been extinguished. So in terms of that, then, what, you know, in a sense of uh, why should the public care about blockchain? What, what problem, what previous problem is it seeking to solve? Well, well really, the, the, the problems with, uh, with centralized ledger systems uh, are manifold. And I think mo- most of them are, 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 are linked to this notion that the central uh, actor becomes an arbiter of the truth of transactions. Uh, and, and that creates uh, a number of problems, one, one of which is that the, uh, the central arbiter can uh, change the rules. Uh, they can mess with the transactions, they can modify them, they can delete records that everyone had agreed were true, uh, they can perhaps admit entries that were not legitimate or not admit entries that were. Um, they can basically act with, with uh, uh, an authority that uh, is not necessarily legitimate. Uh, and the distributed ledger uh, provides a way in which everyone can see that everyone agreed upon the transactions before they're added to the ledger. Uh, and then because they have cryptographic links, everyone knows that that addition is valid because everyone continues to uh, append uh, records to the chain. Uh, we know that, that, um, that the validity of those transactions has been accepted by the community. Uh, and in, in, so, in so doing, we can avoid both the uh, accidental and deliberate actions of uh, uh, privileged parties who might otherwise uh, seek to undermine the truth that has been established in the ledger. So in terms of financial transactions, then, if you're, you know, Joe Public, um, how much of your, you know, your, your banking or other, other financial arrangements are being taken care of via blockchain? Is it just out there being used uh, widely? Well, I think it's, it's certainly used in some contexts, although I think the uh, the traditional mechanisms for uh, uh, for actually conducting what, what we think of as modern financial transactions uh, don't forcibly use this kind of technology. They they uh, there are other mechanisms of reconciliation uh, that take place among accounts, uh, and uh, and and these mechanisms are effective, although uh, for various reasons they might be uh, they they might be less efficient than they could be. Uh, they might be uh, they might be prone to certain kinds of manipulation or errors, uh, and uh, it's these kinds of uh, these kinds of issues that the distributed ledger seeks to address. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of um, aside from the the financial transactions, any other applications in in the real world that where where blockchain is, is is sort of particularly being used at the moment? You know, I think one of them is is modifying documents, including uh, including uh, legal documents and others that are. Uh, uh, for which the counterparties involved in drafting the document are uh, are uh, not necessarily willing to trust one of the parties to be that centralized arbiter, or they're not willing to pay for uh, a, an outside third party, such as a law firm or, or, or so on, to, to do this for them. Uh, and uh, this way, they can edit the document as peers while knowing that everyone still shares the same view of the truth. Um, there are other examples of, uh, uh, of uh, marketplaces uh, and, uh, and mechanisms that I think are linked to uh, economic transactions that are not exactly the same that are also relevant, such as supply chain provenance, uh, questions of knowing whether uh, that particular uh, 
cut of pork happened to come from a pig that happened to come from a certain farm in Belgium or, or so on. Uh, this sort of thing, uh, this sort of thing is possible with a distributed ledger if you're able to establish these kinds of chains of custody and provenance uh, associated with uh, with assets. And the assets might not necessarily be uh, only agricultural ones, but they could be uh, 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 manufactured goods such as smartphones. If you want to know whether your your smartphone, for example, or, or your airplane uh, in, included parts from a particular region or a particular manufacturer, this might be something that you could establish using this sort of technology. You could also potentially track uh, 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 donations or or, uh, or or funds, if, uh, if which I think uh, sometimes is of interest in the context of charitable contributions. If you want to make sure that they uh, that these particular funds wind up uh, uh, landing in particular target uh, use cases. This can also potentially be done with distributed ledgers. So just moving on to the, the relationship between standards and blockchain then. Before I ask you about that, I'm just wondering what the the sort of current challenges and, and issues there are around, around blockchain as a technology. Well, I think that, there, that many of the challenges, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, related to blockchain and, and DLT uh, are... Uh, I, I think not not uh, inconsistent with the kinds of challenges associated with any new technology. I, I think there's an established way of doing things. Um, for example, we we mentioned the established ways in which uh, uh, banks reconcile accounts uh, and the established ways in which uh, in which records are managed within uh, archival systems and so on. Uh, and uh, if we introduce a new technology, then there are new paradigms. Uh, and there might be opportunities to make use of these new paradigms that don't quite fit into the existing kind of uh, prevailing mechanisms for doing that. And, and that might lead to tensions, uh, not only with these new, uh, new technologies being applied directly into these old systems, these kinds of uh, technical uh, uh, migration questions, but also standards questions, uh, when, especially when there are, there are standards that might uh, assume uh, certain uh, kinds of expectations of systems because DLT, uh, like many technology, it offers new capabilities, but it also takes uh, some capabilities that might be familiar away. Uh, and it's important to uh, understand the contours of that in the application of these new technologies to old domains. So in just generally then, um, well, actually, we, previous episode, we talked about uh, standards and innovation broadly in a general, in a general sense about the relationship that, that standards have with, with innovation and about how standards can play a role in, in accelerating those those uh, innovative uh, technologies. Generally, then, the role for standards in blockchain? Well, I, I think that it's, uh, it's essential uh, in this kind of technology because uh, distributed ledger systems are uh, very much about interaction among parties, and they're very much about protocols. Uh, and standards are especially important for protocols and interconnection points because this is really where uh, where we uh, allow innovation, and this is where we allow uh, uh, interconnection to, uh, to uh, different kinds of systems and different implementations of established systems and, and, and so on. Um, and so uh, the nature of this technology as a system for interconnecting systems and a connection for, and a system for interconnecting people um, makes it uh, precisely the sort of thing for which standards are, uh, are, are extremely useful and, uh, and necessary. Uh, if we if we want these systems to truly uh, empower the different participants in these systems, you mentioned earlier, Jeff, about your 
your roles within within um, technical committee 307 and and also technical committee 46 i just wonder if you could take us inside these these committees and maybe start with just describing maybe in in technical committee 307 which is around blockchain and distributed ledger technologies um the sort of standards that are currently in development you know what sort of issues is the committee discussing and grappling with well, I, I think that we're, to a large extent, we're starting out. Um, so, the, so TC three hundred seven is one of the relatively new committees uh, uh, inside ISO. I, you know, if, if we look back in the ISO history, we go all the way back to uh, uh, back to uh, uh, standards for screw threads and uh, and, and so on. Uh, so, so a, lar- a large part of the, the challenges that we're adopting, uh, that we're uh, facing, are really involved with setting up. Uh, so, uh, setting up the first. Uh, standards on vocabulary and reference architecture, in particular, these these have been um, these have been major tasks for us, and uh, and we're pleased to uh, report that we just published the uh, vocabulary standard in July of 2020. So that so that's uh, uh, that's uh, a major milestone for us. The reference architecture project is uh, is coming online. We're expecting uh, we're expecting to see that in the next uh, six to 12 months as well. Uh, and uh, taxonomy and ontology is a technical specification, so not quite uh, an international standard, but uh, but also an important document, uh, and uh, and that's also something that we're looking to uh, uh, bring out this year. There have been some other technical specifications and technical reports uh, within uh, ISO TC 307 that have been that have been uh, uh, published as well, uh, especially concerning smart contracts uh, and. Uh, uh, and uh, 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 privacy and personally identifiable information protection considerations. Uh, so these are uh, uh, so 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 this is not the first document that we've published, and nor will it be the last. But uh, but ultimately, uh, uh, getting these first documents out is uh, our main challenge. Although interoperating with other uh, technical committees is another one. So I mentioned uh, the, the joint working group between TC46 and TC307. That's one of the uh, uh, one of the interfaces, one of the touch points uh, with with uh, TC three hundred seven. Another one is with uh, uh, ISO IEC JTC one SC twenty eight. Sorry, SC twenty seven. That's, which is that's easy for you to say, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> which is security. Uh, so, so that's a that that's actually a large uh, a, a large issue. Uh, uh, you know, a large touch point for us because all of these kinds of systems have security considerations and. Uh, uh, we also have uh, financial services in the context of central bank digital currency, which is an issue that's, uh, which is a topic that's very close to my heart and very close to uh, my research, and that's uh, uh, TC68. Um, so, so we have a number of different touch points, uh, and uh, building those those networks within the standards community, as well as uh, those uh, those networks within within industry more broadly, is a large part of. Uh, of what we're uh, what we're undertaking right now. I just want to say actually that the uh, you've made obviously references there to a number of different committees and uh, and activities. The links for all those you you can find those in the episode notes, so uh, you don't have to jot jot those down. Um, Jeff, just on the in those committees, and particularly maybe in three hundred seven, you say there that you're you're sort of starting off and developing vocabulary and terminology, uh, and that sort of reference architecture. What sort of organizations are involved in that? You say about developing consensus, but but take us inside again. What sort of organizations and individuals are involved in those conversations? Well, I, I think we see a variety of different kinds of organizations. Uh, certainly, uh, we see uh, academic institutions from uh, from around the world. Uh, we also see uh, major multinational technology firms and uh, and systems integration firms and consulting firms are also very, very much involved. 
but also smaller firms uh, inside uh, inside each of these com com uh, uh, countries. Uh, many smaller firms want to want to develop innovative new technologies, uh, and uh, being on the on the uh, uh, being on the uh, you know coming in on the ground floor of the standards development is one. Uh, one excellent way to uh, make sure that your technologies will be sustainable uh, and your technologies will will interoperate with uh, with what the world is agreeing on, and also governments governments themselves um, are very much involved in standards in part because many times governments cannot just adopt arbitrary technologies and even if they could they wouldn't want to adopt arbitrary technologies if they thought that the standards were moving somewhere else uh, and uh, as a result tech, uh, governments often require some kind of uh, uh, assurance uh, that is intrinsic in the establishment of standards that uh, the technologies that they adopt will continue to persist and will not be dominated by any particular industry actors. That's an interesting point, actually, because you and I have talked about, about this in the past, about the role, the role standards play in, in resolving those those issues. So is there a paradox here in a sense in that, that you talked about the lack of a sort of central arbiter within this technology, that's the fundamental principle behind this technology, but don't standards sort of reintroduce that, that central arbiter by, being, by introducing an element of control here, a central control? Well, it's, it, it, it's, well, well let's be clear, uh, standards organisations are, um, are, are not in control per se, although it is the case that organisations who are in control, such as governments or, or de facto platform operators, sometimes effectively use standards to uh, 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 rely upon standards and, and, and might use them to enforce their uh, uh, requirements. So, so there is a sense of control, but it's, it's really based upon consensus. And, that's, and that, I think, is key. Uh, because for a standard to work, it has to be something that is, is pretty much unequivocally valid. Uh, and the reason that I say that is uh, that if we had a standard that uh, by uh, its nature favored certain kinds of implica uh, imp implementations or certain kinds of parties to the exclusion of others, uh, then that standard wouldn't be very effective because uh, other people would uh, insist on developing systems that, uh, that did not comply with the standard. Uh, so at some level, a standard is, standards really work precisely because they they reflect what the whole world can agree upon. And, uh, and, and, and I want to make that really clear because it's not just, uh, some, it's not just a platform where one uh, operator gets to say, well, this is how it's going to be, full stop. This is, this is an agreement that in many cases involves an agreement on uh, technologies that might actually, uh, uh, might actually be uh, something that even uh, organizations who compete with each other can agree upon. So even companies who are in direct competition might agree that this is a standard. Uh, even countries who might be uh, at war might even agree uh, to use uh, the same standards in some context. So, so the fact that these standards are universally uh, uh, agreed upon by consensus is a very powerful concept, and that's and that's really what we're trying to find. It's a, it's a kind of search for truth. That's really fascinating, um, Jeff. I'm going to ask you to sort of crystal ball gaze at it now in terms of the sort of future challenges. I'm interested in in what you think of sort of what's next for blockchain, sort of maybe 10, 15, 20 years time, even even longer, thinking about how, how will blockchain be affecting our sort of uh, how we live and how we work? What, what, what's next for blockchain, do you think? Well, I think that, uh, I, I think that there are some, uh, 
there are some obvious uh, kinds of uh, uh, cases for this and some less obvious ones. I, I think that we, we've already seen how cryptocurrency has, uh, uh, which relies upon blockchain and distributed ledgers, has, uh, has become uh, an important part of the financial world. Um, but I think that we'll also start to see distributed ledgers in these industrial applications that I've mentioned, uh, where we, we're, we're dealing with logistics and supply chain handoffs and, and so on. These kinds of operations that, um, for which our, uh, our existing procedures and technologies uh, uh, are less, uh, less uh, efficient or, or less, um, uh, uh, less reflective of, uh, of the underlying human systems and human relationships that th than they could be. Uh, and, uh, and I think we will start to see these kinds of technology, technologies being used as a way to uh, uh, agree on the state of the world in various different kinds of contexts. Uh, so uh, I, I think we will see this in, in supply chains and, uh, and, uh, and international trade, uh, and I do think that we will see this in uh, uh, digital currencies, including central bank digital currencies, which is, uh, which is a topic that I think uh, is particularly relevant uh, because uh, th this is a very, powerful, uh, uh, a very powerful concept in financial transactions. Uh, how can I verify that... Uh, that uh, a digital transaction has taken place uh, when I know that there are no digital objects that can move around without being copied. Uh, so in, in the physical world, I can exchange banknotes or, uh, or slabs of gold uh, with my counterparties, but in the digital world, that's just not true. Digital, so distributed ledgers are a way of, uh, of making sure that these kinds of transactions are are affected uh, and i think that we'll start to see those kinds of transactions become more uh more uh, prevalent so central bank digital currency a big a big issue for for, for standards development uh, any any other sort of you know in terms of what's next for, for blockchain standards takes inside the work program probably a little any 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 big other other big issues being looked at at the moment well, I think there are there are a lot of issues. If if you look inside uh, the, uh, the 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 TC307 work program, you'll see that we have uh, we have projects on 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 security and identity and privacy. We have projects on smart contracts and legally binding smart contracts and and the kinds of interfaces between smart contracts and the law. Um, we see uh, projects on uh, governance and and. Uh, and standards for governing a distributed ledger system, uh, and that might uh, entail questions about um, about how the uh, authoritativeness of records are established, and how how records can be deleted or or not deleted, or uh, or moved or not moved in accordance with the consensus of the group. Um, we have uh, uh, questions about use cases, questions about uh, interoperability. All of these areas are uh, uh, very active. Uh, for discussions in this space, and, and and I'm hoping that in the next couple of years we'll we'll start to see some published uh, reports and uh, specifications in in the in all of these areas. Standards are, uh, you know, I I think it's pretty clear that that when I go into the world and see the proliferation of platforms, every time that I see platforms, I I think that it's a missed opportunity for uh, for standards, uh, because in many cases we agree upon. Uh, what these interconnections uh, need to be, uh, especially in peer-to-peer -peer relationships that are mediated by a central third party. If we can establish standards for these kinds of uh, relationships rather than, uh, rather than require a third party to, uh, to mediate them, I think we would all be better off. You have been listening to an episode of the BSI Education Podcast. Do please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or ideas for future podcasts, then do please get in touch at education at bsigroup.com. We really do welcome your feedback. All that remains is for me to say thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Matthew. It was a pleasure to be here. And of course, to thank you for listening.